We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we got an early one. We were just talking about it. We got the Dallas Mavericks at 5.30 Pacific time, two hours earlier than normal tonight. So everyone adjust your schedules accordingly. But in today's pod, we're going to zoom out and get a look at the lay of the land in the Western Conference. And Mike, it's a pretty jam-packed West. Lakers stand at the 10th seed right now, nine games back of first place, but four games out of the number five seed. And so when you look at this uh, crazy Western Conference, Mike, what do you see? Well, first, Pete, I feel like a kid whose dad just let him have a donut for breakfast and then, you know, like a Mountain Dew uh, with lunch and some ice cream after dinner, all the desserts that I want. You're letting me go through the Western Conference today. Um, I'm very excited (laughs) to, to look at the schedule here. Yes, yes. I it's kind of broken down into tiers already. And I think the Lakers are in the wrong one um, in, in terms of what their ultimate upside slash like playoff potential is. And like, so the distinction points are the top four, uh, which is Minnesota, OKC, Denver, and the Clippers. And they, the Clippers and the Nuggets have 14 losses apiece. That's three fewer than the next tier, which is Dallas, New Orleans, and Sacramento. Sacramento blew a ridiculous lead in the fourth quarter Crazy to Phoenix. Game. And yeah, so we were we were watching that one. And then you have uh, Utah and the Lakers with the Rockets kind of just behind there. And then, I mean, man, I don't even know if Golden State is still in that tier, but I guess we will give it because Steph is still there. Uh, they've been really nasty um, lately, three out of their last 10. And, you know, the Lakers in terms of... He- like had they figured out this, the rotation and the nine guys they're playing right now a little earlier, maybe that's the difference between them being in that, you know, the Dallas, New Orleans, Sacramento, that I mentioned that kind of five to seven and Darius, all of this just becomes significant um, as of course, as you think about the play in and the difference between being in the nine, 10 or in the seven, eight or in that five, six, which is at worst, right? Where everybody wants to be. And as we take a look at what's coming up, it, I just think it's it's already, it's not too early um, to start forecasting how this could play out. And I think that every time the Lakers step foot on the court, which is a little bit like last year, 
you're starting to get to that point where, you know, these games, the added significance to what that could mean ultimately is there. Um, so as I, I just that's a very a generalization. And I want to get a little bit closer. But what stands out to you when you look up at those Western Conference standings right now? I chuckled to myself, Mike, because you said, I think the Lakers are in the wrong tier. The Lakers probably feel they're in the wrong tier, but they're in the tier where they belong based off of how they've played of late. Mm -hmm. I think it's super interesting because I continue to believe that the Lakers, there's a much better team in here somewhere than what they've played. But at some point, they actually have to show that they're that team. I listen to a lot of national pods and the Suns have been given a certain amount of built-in respect for what they can be. While I don't necessarily think the Lakers have been given that same respect nationally, amongst this group, we yeah. feel like they could still do something. And so, well, and so do they. Every time you talk to them, every single one of them is still very confident in the, the talent that they have. I think they should be, but believing and doing are two different things. Yes, yeah, you're 20 and 21 for a reason. You could, yeah, can be better, and there are routes to that, but our record is what it is. Exactly. And so I think the tiers that Mike broke down are absolutely correct. One of the reasons why I was interested in talking about this in particular is because of the Jazz, really, like the Western Conference in general and the Lakers position. Because earlier in the season, Pete, Mike had sent us a text and it was after the Lakers had blasted the Jazz as part of the in-season tournament, right? It was a regular season game, but it was an in-season tournament game. And the Lakers just absolutely blasted them. I think they won by 30 or 33 points or something ridiculous. And Mike, I, I don't want to be revealing state secrets here, but I think the wording of your text to us was the seriousness, the, <laughs> no, like the, the seriousness of the Jazz from last season is gone. They are no longer competing at the level that they competed last year. And well, it, that was pretty. Do you, do you remember the term that Will Hardy used? What was it? Um, after it, I'm going to have to look it up now, but it was like it, it was a, a masterpiece of dog shit, I think. Or something like that. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I may, it have, was that. I may have gotten that partly wrong. Was that what it was? Yeah. Okay. I think that yeah, was a masterpiece it. of dog shit. Yeah, that, that's where I was getting at. It's like, yes, they 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 were, and Markinen was out, uh, and there they hadn't yet found the the groups, and then all of a sudden Hardy figured it out. Yes, and so and that all of the sudden we figured it out thing is I think what all of us are looking for from the Lakers. I was listening to Zach Lowe's pod yesterday, and he had mentioned that the Jazz are. 14 and five in the games in like their last 19 games or the games that Collins basically since Collins Sexton was inserted into the starting lineup and they've made some lineup changes that the Jazz are 14 and five, like in their last 19 games. And you know what the Lakers need, Pete, is they need a 19 or 20 game stretch where they are 15 and five or 16 and four or even 13 and seven. Like they need to make a push here and i think within the context of of the western conference tonight they play the mavs who are above them in the standings and who have been playing well even though they've had a ton of injuries and a bunch of different lineup issues and they've they could have easily fallen back on some of the i don't want to say excuses but the contextual explanations for playing poorly and they just haven't 
They've been playing really well. And so I'm trying to figure out how the Lakers can maneuver within this this Western Conference and start to climb up the standings in a place because they certainly don't want to be in 10th, Pete. Like, they don't even want to be in ninth. I think they want to be in a position where if they're going to be in the play-in at all, that it's in seventh or eighth because last year they made their run out of seventh, which I think is the best position to be in, obviously, because you host a game. But it's just like they have to start showing it soon. For sure. And I think that these next eight games, they've got eight games left in January. And if you look at them, there are a couple of tough ones, but it's a, a winnable schedule, right? There's There are winnable games in that stretch. And so their ability to produce five, six wins over the next eight, I think is going to be really important if they want to get to that point. It is a little bit one step at a time, D. I think that we got to the the right nine, at least in terms of the available healthy guys uh, with yesterday's game, or I'm sorry, with the last game against OKC. Certainly skeptical about their rebounding with the, with the new group, Mike. But I do think that that five, six seed is still within reach. That's And that's something that I, I don't think the Lakers will be able to break into the top four. But I do think there's plenty of opportunity to be able to get, in, get into that spot, Mike. And so a lot of the work from now through the end of January, both process-wise and result-wise. That, that to me is one of the big things, Mike, is that the process, especially with the offense, I've seen some encouraging stuff lately and uh, and obviously the lineup change as well. I think we need a little bit more on that front, but um, certainly making progress. By the end of January, I think we're going to have a much clearer picture of where we're at. A couple of things that you guys just hit on. And, and first, Darius, you mentioned the the Lakers sort of are where they are record-wise, uh, and no doubt. And when I was laying out what the tiers were, that was in order uh, of the standings. But the reason I think that the Lakers have this confidence uh, set aside last year in the Western Conference Finals push is that they've beaten Oklahoma City twice, right? OKC is second. Minnesota, they almost beat when LeBron was out and then had another close game. But I, I don't think that they got in the court with the Timberwolves, who are in the, the one seed right now, and, and were like, oh, we can't beat this team. Uh, they beat the Clippers. The one team that they have not beaten is the Nuggets. Uh, now, they, of course, have not played them since the season opener, uh, but lost all four games last year. And so I think Denver sort of should be in their own area uh, for the Lakers, just because that's not a mountain that they've conquered, uh, Jokic Mountain, just yet. But and of course, you mentioned that we we all think about the in-season tournament where they ramped it up. And then the reason why the record is where it is is because of all the nights where they've either, you know, the style has not been correct and the rotation's been off and LeBron, you know, in year 21 and these things that have made the Lakers where they are at 20 and 21. And, and that's where, where now that they're midway through the season exactly, what does the second half actually look like? Like what uh, can they become a more consistent team? Um, even if the injuries continue, which they very well might, the injuries have not gone away any of the previous, how many seasons uh, there have always been some level of that there. Um, and so where, where does that have them stand with some of these teams that the top four are pretty consistent, but Dallas to world and Sacramento, you know, I think that there are some potential there for some slippage between one of those teams. But the Lakers can't really just count on that. And and that's kind of where I'm interested to see, like, if there's a team that w- that one of you sees within these tiers as a as a riser, as a faller, and like where that opportunity could lie, Pete, for example, to get into that that five, six tier. Like, who do you think? Who do you not believe in? I suppose is the way I would phrase it uh, other than Phoenix. who well, I know you don't believe it uh, <laughs> in the Western <laughs> Conference. Uh, so let's let's take a break. And when we get back, uh, I, I want you to hit me with the team. So one of my goals right now is to eat better, but in the thick of the NBA season, that can be hard to do. 
So I recently joined Factor, and Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service to help me do that. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for your healthy lifestyle. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh and never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. And you can enjoy the extra convenience at any time of day with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Head to Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 and use code LakerFilm50, all one word, to get 50% off. That's code LakerFilm50 at Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 to get 50% off. Yeah, so Phoenix is certainly there, but they're going to win a, a certain amount of regular season games. But I think they'll be hovering around this six, seven, eight type of type of area for a minute. Um, Utah, I, as plucky as they are, I I think that there is certainly a ceiling there. I don't think that there is a perpetual fifteen and four stretch going going forward. And then, Mike, this will put a smile on your face. Though the Kings have some. Uh, They've had a couple of blown leads. They should have two more wins than they than they do. And watching them fall apart against Phoenix, they put KD at the five. Phoenix did. They were down fourteen with a couple minutes left, and they started switching everything. And Sacramento got so discombobulated. And it's funny, Eddie Johnson, the old uh, bench scorer from the Houston Rockets, and then Phoenix Suns is their color commentator now. And I'm telling you, the whole game, he was like. Get this under 10, put pressure on these dudes. These guys fold when you put a little bit of pressure on them. And I'm telling you, the whole game, he was the one guy, they have a three-man three, three man booth there that was like, you put pressure on them, they're going to crack. And it was exactly what happened. I, I was uh, uh, Shout out to Eddie Johnson, great uh, great forward scorer, D, uh, from, from back in our childhood. But those are the teams that come to mind for, for me, D. I think that Dallas is always a Luka injury away, and now he's been upgraded to questionable for this Lakers game. Because, sure, of course. Um they're always a Luka injury away from <laughs> dire straits, but I think you could say that about the Lakers and several other teams where it's one guy goes down, and and that's probably what I think ends up determining it in terms of who rises and falls. I think the injuries on, on some level are going to write that story. Yeah, it's interesting, though, Pete, because Luka has been down the last few games and the Mavs have kept on trucking. They've got a Luka insurance policy to a certain extent. If Kyrie Irving is going to be the player that can get you 35 or 40 points and do it on good efficiency. And then you've got like all of these sort of shooting role player guys who are stepping in and just like I'm playing with confidence and hitting shots. And and the Lakers fell victim to that the last time they played the Mavs. Right. It's just like, oh, here's Dante Axum and Grant Williams just stepping into open threes and they're confident. And they're making those shots. And and now it's Josh Green who's doing that as well. He hit a big bucket the other night when I was watching a Mavs game. It's just like, oh, man, these dudes, they just have that feeling to them. And um, the team I would actually look at is New Orleans to a certain extent, because when we talk about the injury stuff, they've got a they've got a better baseline of like, oh, they've got three guys. But when one of those three is out it starts to get trickier for them to continue to to maintain and and i'll be interested to see if they are and they're also a team though that 
like we haven't talked about this a bunch, but we're now within a month of like when the trade deadline is going to yeah. happen. And now basically everyone in the league is trade eligible now. And New Orleans is one of those lurking teams that has a ton of assets, most of them like Lakers assets, right? Like they've still got that Lakers pick that is out there. Um and they've got other draft picks from the Drew Holiday trade, I believe, like the yep, original the ones. And, and so they've got assets out there, including all of their own picks. And so they're also a team that could sneakily be like a buyer at the deadline in order to get reinforcements. That said, if one of Ingram or McCollum or Zion goes down, and particularly I think Ingram is important here as well. And he's had a history of missing chunks of time with random things that 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 happen. So I think all of those teams that are in that that middle patch, they're all like an injury away. For some reason, the Mavs have been very resilient to those things, though. And so I don't know if we should put them to the side or not, because, Mike, they've continued to win, even though they've had. I heard Tim McMahon talking about this, but I think over their 41 or 42 games, they've had 23 different starting lineups already. It's been an insane number of lineup changes with them, and they've just continued to truck on. So do you separate them out from this pack? Like in the inverse of the question that you asked, like, who don't you like? Who do you like to continue to sort of stay within this realm and solidify themselves as a group? as like separating themselves within this tier? It's a good way to word the question. I think that out of that group, I probably like New Orleans the most. Um, and it surprises me a little bit because Luca is, you know, Luca's been amazing this year. I think that's been the biggest reason. And Kyrie has been better, a lot better than he was last year. Very consistent. He seems to be, I was listening to that same pod um, with McMahon talking about it. And when I was in Dallas, talked to some people about it, like Kyrie, is is on has been on best behavior and you're not hearing any of the type of stuff that you were hearing in brooklyn and that seems to be helping a lot for dallas though they're right now they're 24 and 17 uh, so they're you know that's a good little lead but the lakers play them tonight and you know depending on if you listen to this pod before or after the game um this is when things like this make a big difference so, so just even that Three games behind is different from four games behind, and you you start to you start to get to the point where the Lakers were last year, uh, in about like two and a, two and a half weeks, like in February, and then you can kind of see the finish line to an extent, which I think is important for somebody like LeBron. Where okay, if we win this amount of games, then we will be in this position. If we don't, then not. And and that I think brings enough of that extra juice for the Lakers to have a, a better, just a better record overall. And so that's, let's, let's save that for the next break though. Um, and I'll get back to what you said about Dallas. So it, like if, what is Dallas's ceiling? I don't think that they're, they're big men, although, you know, Lively has been excellent for a rookie. I think that's where they fall a little bit short in terms of like an ultimate run. Like to me, they're in, in a playoff series. They have to rely upon him and, and essentially Grant Williams, like Maxi Kleber's back and he's okay. But there just isn't a lot of pop there. You know, there's not, not a lot of juice. And I think that you can kind of, um, you can scheme enough to wear Luca down like over the course of a series. So I don't I don't consider them quite in that same tier as the top four uh, for that reason. Sacramento, Pete already discussed like what, what their weaknesses <laughs> are. I've been talking about it for a while. Um, and I, I, I just don't I don't think that that's a team that is particularly scary in a series. And 
you know, Phoenix, they have their clear flaws, although they're going to keep winning a lot more games. And, and like, so th- there's a reason they're there. New Orleans, though, like when they've been healthy, um, they have a lot of size. They have a lot of depth. They can go away from Valenciunas lineups. Uh, now, if, if Nance is actually healthy uh, and, and play smaller, they have these big wings. Um, they can shoot at least well enough. So they're a team I think that is, that is made to win a lot of regular season games. Uh, the, the wild card there of course, is that Zion has been healthy for almost the whole season after not being healthy at all for the last three. And I think if at this point, I think he's been healthy enough to assume health for him in the ways that we're assuming health for some of these other stars and not just assume that he's going to be off the floor. And, and Pete, in that case, like that's, that to me is, I think New Orleans is a more complete team in that sense than Dallas. And I think that's one of the great storylines in the West over the beginning portion of the season is several players who have been touch and go in terms of avail- availability for games have been available. You mentioned Kyrie as one, uh, Kawhi and PG Kawhi, with yeah. the Clippers have been Anthony Davis has played the yeah, LeBron majority. James and Anthony Davis. LeBron yes. James and Anthony Davis, <laughs> right? This is a good thing. Zion Williamson. Yeah, Steph. This is a, Steph has been healthy Steph, all year. Yeah. Great thing for the NBA, and and let's hope that that they can continue that toward the the second part of the season. I think that it's funny, Mike. New Orleans. My first instinct with them is they're one guy away, and it's not like a guy, you know, thirty million dollar player, just like a, another role player. But I think that could describe probably eight to ten teams. I'm really curious about the trade deadline, and that there's about eight to ten teams where I'm like, oh, if they could get this type of player, and it's a different type of player for each team, I think that they'd really be in business. And so I think that this could flip quite a bit from now until the trade deadline. It's also to me two very distinctive conversations of what would they be in a playoff series versus what is the regular season grind you know going uh, uh, from now until the end of the regular season so let's take another break and when we get back let's keep going on it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So to that point, D, there's there are two teams in the West that I think are legitimately better than the Lakers in Denver and the Clippers. I also really like how we match up with the Clippers. Derek Fisher was talking about this in the postgame show uh, last time we played them, and he gave some of the reasons why. But that is a very different thing than getting through the 82, of which I, we're having some issues, and I don't think we're anywhere close to being optimized, although this is the first time in a bit I felt like, okay, we're a little more on track at the very least. But that that to me is one of the things that stands out, D, is the 
top uh, the the nature of the regular season has changed in a way where nowadays it's a lot of times Mike it's that team that has a lot of guys in their 20s that is good for sure but that's the Minnesota the OKC they're not the first teams that come to mind in terms of can they win a championship however I think you could find a lot of conversations at this point last year saying the same things about Denver and yeah Denver might be the best team in the league and they're winning all these games but you know they're not in the upper tier until they actually did it, and so I'm I'm curious your your thoughts on that, Mike. Is that idea of the regular season is different than I think it was even ten years ago, and so the purpose of it I think is different for different teams. So how do you evaluate that in all your years of of standings watching? I feel like it's changed a bit. I think it's changed a lot. I I really do. It it used to be that if you weren't the one or the two or the three, because you know, most teams just treated the regular season a little bit more. I don't want to say more seriously, but it was just a there was a rhythm to how the season went. And if you got if you got kind of down in the standings, it usually there was a reason for it. Um, and the I, I don't know if it, it's that the best teams were that much better, but like we think about those Warriors teams and they were certainly always uh, up in that like one seed, you know, type of range. And when OKC still had Durant. Um, and like the, the Kobe and Powell and Lamar Lakers and like the, the teams that usually got out of the West. Um, and we could do the same argument about the East where there was usually a reason for that. And now, yes, Denver was the one seed last year. OK, and so that that's something that we should keep in mind. Like it still does help. And that there was a reason for that. And Jokic was a, was a real serious customer last year in increase from the previous one. But the Lakers doing what they did. Um, out of the plan and then the heat doing what they did i think that other teams around the league watch that and there's almost like a a mental adjustment there to be thinking okay well in, instead of just focusing on the regular season wins in the context of you just mentioned minnesota and okc and the hunger and the youth and the health uh it's we got to stay enough in this mix and and optimize our health almost to a point um to be to be able to make a run and that can still happen now um out of the plan and I think that's a that's a mindset and an adjustment that's that's happening around the league. So from the Lakers standpoint now, looking up at the top four, it's almost instead of worrying so much about that seed, I think you almost look at what the best matchup is out mm-hmm. of the top four. You know, and so in some cases, what's the difference between being the seven and the eight? Well, the difference is you have to play a second play in game, and that's a big deal. Yeah, so so to me, like the seven is prioritized, even if it's Denver instead of like OKC or Minnesota, just because if you have to play that second game, how much of a disadvantage you're in for game one uh, going against that that top seed. So that that's that's one part of this. Then the next part is, OK, getting up to the like getting up to the um, to the six, like in the difference between playing. We don't know if it's going to be OKC or is it going to be Denver? It's going to be Minnesota. The Clip. Like Darius, how much does that matter um, relative to just avoiding the play-in? And I guess what I'm saying is the play-in is what has changed. Um, d- not just the fact that you can get in if you're the, like you're the 11 or 10 seed, you can make a run late and try to get through it. But it just is the the, the Mendoza line for where you're trying to get to um, has adjusted. And that to me is just a big of a factor um, of anything else in this. Yeah, I think the matchups matter as much as ever. And that teams are looking at it and framing things that way. I'm old enough to remember Dikembe Mutombo holding that ball on the mm-hmm. ground as a member of the Denver Nuggets and Who celebrating. Who's the coach of the other team? Oh, was that George Carl? That was George that Carl, wasn't it? Oh, yes. yes. George Carl. Famous yes. playoff choker, George Carl. <laughs> yes, yes. A lot of Sorry, us, a lot of, a lot of losses. 
A lot of losses for George Carl. A lot of really bad performances in crunch situations where they didn't have any answers. A lot of underachieving teams and disappointments. And George Carl is one of those guys that I feel like came from UNC, but doesn't have the pedigree, but enjoys enjoys the, the fruits of that. Of the, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Good old George Carl, the guy who decided to keep on doubling Kobe Bryant as he just passed and passed and passed to open guys and lost. A lot of good memories. The the ninety what what year was it? The ninety four. <laughs> year where we beat them in the playoffs the, oh, where we yes. beat the Sonics that's an underrated yes. like playoff victory for the Lakers yes because yes. that was not a team where the Lakers were expected to like go to the finals or anything like that this is pre-Shaq but remember that crossover on Gary Payton out in open space right Van Exel oh, man. Dustin GP and I was going to the two you know one of my favorite Kobe games ever and I think Darius was just hinting at parts of it but game six in 2009 yes, yes. yeah oh yes. Denver, yeah. When, yep Yes, 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 a lot of good, yeah. good George Carl memories. Anyway, yes, yeah. Anthony Carter, one of my favorite inbound passers ever. Slob <laughs> superstar George Carl, the guy and he didn't who, have the uh, best agent though. Anthony Carter. Oh man, I digress. I don't even know where I was going now. Oh, sorry, I heard. No, I, no, I, no. I, I thought of George Carl and I, I, I blacked out I'm for back. a moment. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I remember Matumbo clutching that ball because it used to be so rare that a lower seed would beat a top seed. That was the right. first time an eight ever beat a one. Yep. And then it's like, remember in 99, the lockout season, the Knicks, they made the finals as an eight seed. That was like the the birth of the Ewing theory because Ewing had been hurt. And then they make their run with like, Alan I, Houston I think it was Alan Sprewell. Houston and Marcus, yeah. Marcus Canby. Right. But over the years, this has happened more and more and more. And I think over the last three or four years where you see Mike, the Lakers advance to the conference finals or give top teams trouble. The, the Warriors advance as, as a six seed, the, the Heat doing what, what they have done. There is this idea that you can make your run from anywhere. I'd still prefer to be the number yeah, one I mean, or not, number two none seed. None of those actually won the chip though, right? The only real example of that is the 95 Houston Rockets from the six seed, but they were a defending champ, Mike. They're like that to me. Yeah, you can make a run at it and all this cute stuff, but to me, you got to be a good team that attacks the regular season and usually ranks high if you want to win it all. That So that remains true. That remains true for sure. And and just go go back and look at the champs and see what seed they were. And what seed were the Lakers when they won in the bubble? You know, they were the one seed, right? What seed were the Bucks uh, the next year? So it's that still is more often than not the case. Uh, but I, I, I think that two things. One, the talent is better in the league and there's yes. just more. There's more talent. So that's that's to me is part of the reason why you have seeds that are a little bit lower. Is there that much right now? Is there that much of a difference right between uh, like OKC and the Lakers uh, in, in terms of the two seed and the 10 seed and the Lakers have beat them twice and OKC is clearly a more consistent team. The style that they play all that. Mm -hmm. But how many of us are going to if they were going to match up right now, I think a lot of people would pick the Lakers. You know, maybe the majority would still pick the Thunder, but it's not crazy to think LeBron, AD, um, OKC doesn't have the bigs. Uh, they just don't like AD is going to go right into Chet's chest. And like, so that's that's part of this as well. So the other thing I want to get uh, comment back to you, Darius, though, was the the matchups. Like, I think that teams absolutely think, oh, let's try to play this team instead of that team. But it almost never is something you can control completely until the last day of the season. And then even if, okay, if we win, we play the two seed instead of the three seed. Well, that could flip. 
You know, the two seed and the oh, three yeah. seed could flip because someone else could take that. So I don't think teams think about they think about the matchups, but they know they can't control them. So they think, let me try and get to that one spot higher, typically, unless it's unless it's all laid out for the last day, Pete, for a team to like tank in and, and try to get karma that way. And and honestly, yeah, that's that's the thing about the karma. I, I have a very esoteric view on this: is don't like, don't uh, try to game the basketball gods. D. Oh, Just the basketball win your games, gods. put out your guys. What was the thing the Clippers did a couple years ago? It was like the Daniel Otoru game. He had nineteen yeah, shots. It was, <laughs> it was the um, the Clippers at the Thunder, yes. and both teams were desperately were trying to lose. And the Clippers kept going to Otoro, and he kept delivering. And meanwhile, Poku was just no, Poku, Poku was doing the, the tank the other way. <laughs> I was watching that game uh, with with full glee. You know, it, it, that was ridiculous. And the basketball guys got him. Yeah, neither of them won shit, right? And so that to me, you don't you don't mess with that D. And so what I. I, I always talk about the the peloton, right? In the Tour de France and in cycling, there's that big group of cyclists that kind of stay together and draft off of each other. I think that, especially for the older teams, that I think that's probably a generous description of the Lakers season of, oh, they're just hanging back in the pack. I think it's true on some level, but I think there are legit no, they got issues. Fl- yeah. No, the Lakers got a flat tire and then yes. they tried to put yes. their wheel back on and they put the wrong screw and then their wheel fell off. And now they're like, the bike is finally looking like it's back together again, and they're going to have to go on a bit of a sprint here. Mm -hmm. And within the context of the Western Conference, these packs have separated themselves. They are up there. And the Lakers are going to have to decide, and I don't even think it's it's really a decision. The Lakers are going to have to push here. And they're going to have to push. And I don't know how much they can actually say we're going to hold something back in reserve, because if we get to the place that we want to get to, we'll need that reserve in order for that next kick. And this is the circumstance that they're in now. They're halfway through the season and they the finish line is on the horizon now. Those you don't hear Darwin talking about it's a marathon and anymore because the race is half over and so who knows maybe he'll make maybe he'll say that quote again tonight and i'll be wrong but it's just like there's only so much time left and the lakers aren't quite to the point where they were after the trade deadline last season mike where there's 20 some odd games left and they're still in in 10th and it's just like okay well we're only three and a half back let's go on our push they they're what, seven back now? Like seven back in the loss column of that group that's at number four or whatever. Yep. That's probably too far. But in their heads, they have to be thinking, well, do we have a 15 and five run in us? Because I think that, I, and I remember Dennis said this last season, we have calculated it out. And you got to love Dennis for basically mm-hmm. just like spilling all the beans from yeah, all the locker room I, I talk our best insider anytime, sorry Mike. Yeah, anytime you need yeah. a lebron update yeah yeah exactly go to den not me right? go to den yeah yeah <laughs> but it but it was like he he was just like yeah over our last 20 something games we need to go 18 and 7 or we've gamed it out and they basically missed that mark by just a single game and that single game was the difference between them being sixth or seventh and so it's super funny that that's how it broke, but they have to, I think we're at the point of the season now where even if they're not going to say it publicly, internally, there have to be conversations about what is our target 
for these final 41 games and gaming out the schedule this is a super important part part of things and i think it does start tonight against the mavs they are up there in the standings above the lakers and anytime you can chip away at a team that that's above you that they have to get these wins yeah i think the real the time that this it becomes where you you can't hide from that anymore 100% is after the all-star break and i think there are certain vets especially that'll look at it like that um but of course Darius, you're right like it it the math is the same either way. Like if this Dallas loss would count, if they were to lose this game, like it would hit in a way that they then just can't make up for um, after the all-star break, even if they convince themselves that they can. But Pete, where I want to turn it back to, and I, I just to be consistent, because I feel like I'm doing this all the time, LeBron and year 21 before the season started, we looked at the roster and we thought, there there's a, a chance here that the Lakers can be in a different position this season than they were last year continuity right uh, all of this stuff and they can be in that conversation for the top four and it's all that's what's that's what's looking like is not going to be the case um now barring some unforeseen run and a couple of teams collapsing it's going to be very difficult uh, for the lakers to get in that spot and so i'm very curious how what the approach is and if lebron had a hundred fastballs in like 2015 um, and he could hit he could hit 101 on the gun every single night. And now how many nights can he can he hit 101? Is it 40? Is it 50? Is it 60? Is it 70? You know, what is that number? And how might how many of those are going to be are going to have to be used between now and the end of the regular season in order to keep the Lakers in a certain position um, out of which they they can't climb out? And I, I still think, Pete, that there's there's some room there. Like, I still I still think there's some room, but. The unfortunate part for me is that there's there's not going to be the room now where like he's going to have a, a couple of weeks in March and April, you know, where, where he can take the foot fully off the off the pedal, not fully somewhat off the pedal in order to conserve some for a playoff push. And and that to me would be where the concern level is at the Lakers being 20 and 21 um, as opposed to, you know, 24 and 17, even if even in the inverse of where Dallas is right now. Oh, absolutely. And the Lakers being in this spot to me is just. It's indicative of the first half of the season was a failure on a lot of fronts. It's not irredeemable. It's not the that's one of the great things about the length of the regular season is and how many teams make the playoffs is you get a lot of chances to get everything on track. But the Lakers are going to have to win some games. There isn't that degree of cushion. There isn't likely to be that stretch in April where it's like, oh, let's shut down LeBron for a week before the playoffs to get him right. There's a good chance we're probably going to need to win those games, D. And so the we we have a chance, certainly, and we've shown an ability to beat some of the better teams more and more that that Clippers win looks really good. They're a team that's playing great basketball and uh, seeing us beat the Clippers and OKC, uh, those are things to build off of. But we've got kind of time is running out. And I think this end stretch yeah. of January is the easiest it's going to be to have a shoot around, to have you know some of that, that building cohesion aside from just games that you were talking about in yesterday's pod that we've got eight more games of that. And so that's why I think the this end part of January is going to tell so much about where we're going. It's a critical part of things, man. 
And honestly, as we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll start to even have more conversations about like whether or not this last stretch of the month is going to inform how the team feels about itself going into the trade deadline. And there's so much more team building conversation to have within the context of that, not only for the Lakers, but around the league. And these teams who look at the championship as their goal and the Lakers being in 10th and the Suns being in ninth or eighth or wherever they, they are, they are a part of that where it's like their sights are set on that. And you can look around the league, Mike, and it's just like, okay, Minnesota thinks that Denver thinks that all these OKC who knows where their mind is at around that. And then all of those Eastern teams that think that too, right? Whether it's Boston and Philly, right? Like Milwaukee, there's, eight teams that probably feel like that's our ultimate goal. And you could maybe sweep two, a couple of other more in there that feel like, well, Hey, that would be nice to get to the finish line. And how do they start to reshape their roster? And this is a critical stretch, not just for the Lakers, but for a bunch of teams, but especially for the Lakers because of where they are in, in uh, the standings. Just to get through January, I think the Lakers have, a really good chance of winning six of eight. Uh, now that that could change on any, any time the injury report gets updated, right? right. All of these things. That's why I hate looking that far ahead, but uh, this, this is a stretch of, of winnable games where the Lakers are, are likely going to, or right now they've got nine guys like in a rotation um, that seem to fit. Most of these games are at home. Uh, and I, that Pete, that, so that's the short-term thing. If you ask LeBron, he's only thinking about Dallas, but if they can just if they can get to that six of eight, then they're three games over 500. And it just looks a lot different um, from what things looked like even a week ago. So important to embrace this current moment uh, and try to get to those that spot. Really important game tonight on that front. This is one of the bigger swing games, I think, of that uh, that group of eight. So that'll determine, I think, if the Lakers can get to that six out of eight type of marker. And I'm totally with you on that being the goal is going six and two to, to end January. Very curious to see how the Lakers defend Luka Doncic if he plays and Kyrie Irving tonight. Lakers, a uh, big part of the story right now is the Lakers' defense and ability to defend on the perimeter while also being big it, enough to rebound. At least, at least Exum's not playing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, hopefully n- another another role player does not step up to fill his shoes. But <laughs> we certainly know that, uh, that there's a long it's history separate. of that. Did he hit six threes or seven threes? Darius, uh, probably, uh, it looked up. It was he hit oh, all seven. of them. Seven Mike. for nine. He hit all of them. Seven, he hit <laughs> all of them. <laughs> the spirit yeah. of JJ Barea imbued him with uh, superpowers against he the Lakers. He was seven for nine. Uh, Grant Williams was five for seven, and Tim Hardaway Jr. was five for ten. Now the Hardaway and Jr. Hardaway is on a heater. Yeah, yes. Hardaway is on a heater sense. still. So yeah. Dallas is Dallas is a team that has sent us to some insane places defensively. They were the group that had the Austin at the five group because we gave up a 51 point third quarter against them. So I think the Vanderbilt defense is going to be is the, mm-hmm, yes. is the one thing that helps a little bit, Pete, because he missed huge, that game. Hu- yes. Vando was huge in that victory in Dallas last year uh, down the stretch will be he's one of the guys that has the size and quickness to bother Luca. And there are very few of those those guys in the league. Luca's obviously going to get his wins if, if he plays. But uh, great to have Vando back. We will be back tomorrow to discuss how it went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win.
the Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.